Customer experience. It's what sets some of the best companies apart from the rest, yet it can often be hard to achieve. Tune in monthly as we uncover the secrets behind great customer experience. This is Experience Better, the CX Podcast. Just a note about today's episode. At the time of recording, we are in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic. Since we're all practicing responsible social distancing, we are recording from our respective homes rather than a studio. So the sound quality may not be as good as usual. So thank you for your understanding. On that note, let's get to the show. Hi everyone. You're listening to Experience Better, the CX podcast. I'm your host, Alfred Sawatsky, Director of Product Management at Kubra. As utilities focus on improving the customer experience and outreach, oftentimes the conversation of payment innovation arises. So who are the real winners when it comes to adding payment channels like Amazon Alexa, Facebook Messenger, text message, and others to a payment mix? Today, we're joined by Steve Ryan, Director of Channel Development at Kubra, to discuss payment trends in 2020 and their benefits for both utilities and their customers. Hey, Steve, thanks for being here today. Thanks, Alfred. Uh, I hope all is well. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, things are going well, uh, considering, and uh, it's always good good to chat with you. So when we talk and use the term innovative payments, can you say a little bit of what you mean about innovation in that context? Well, Alfred, innovation in its simplest form is, uh, it's simply, a, it's a new idea. It's a creative thought. Uh, it's new imagination, the form of advice or a method of doing something. And with everything that's going on in the world um, right now, consumers have become more uh, comfortable with the way things are moving towards online methods of shopping, uh, online payment systems. FinTech and, and payment innovations are really making these online transactions more easy um, and keyword here is frictionless. Uh, as a result, uh, I'm finding the customer expectations are also continuing to evolve now. Uh, you've got changing technologies, uh, highly impacting, impacting uh, our expectations, and consumers are now more concerned about the convenience and, and having more choices. Um, surprisingly enough, you know, a lot of the billers today, utilities, are offering up your standard payment options. Um, however, Surprisingly, a lot of them still don't offer up credit cards, for an example. And we think that's mainly due to, be, uh, due to the fees um, associated with processing those transactions. But when you talk about an innovative payment, we simply mean adding channels, acceptance that meets the current as well as the future needs of customers. Um, while some emerging technologies are only starting to really take root, uh, a majority of our consumers say that these technologies are, are transforming or actively transforming their expectations. Uh, these include, but are not limited to using, say, artificial intelligence with machine learning behind it uh, through your chatbots, or smart speakers, uh, intuitive kiosks, or prepaid programs. So companies really need to be benchmarking themselves against other companies that are currently exceeding their customers' expectations. And these companies are, you know, your Amazons, your, your Netflix, Spotify's, and utility and governments 
need to really look at replicating these experiences uh, that are currently interacting with those customers. Why? It's because the customers are now expecting it. And it's even more prevalent now that we are going through this pandemic and customers have those capabilities through these Amazons and Netflix and Spotify. So for an example, if I'm ordering groceries through my Amazon Alexa, it's just like, why can't I make a payment uh, to my tax bill through Amazon Alexa? Or what if I pay for a movie ticket using Apple Pay? I should be able to use that same method of payment for paying my water bill. So those are some of the things that we're seeing um, that are really taking it to the next level with regards to innovating the payment channels themselves. Thanks for that description of innovation. I particularly like when you were talking about consumers are more concerned with convenience and choice. If you go back to some of our previous podcasts, that seems to be a recurring theme uh, all along. So um, I'll be curious to know uh, if you have more to say about that. But uh, coming back to our, our current day, uh, with the recent pandemic, would you say there's been a shift in your predictions of payment trends for this year? No, not at all. If anything, we've seen the complete opposite. Um, again, with the pandemic, you've got more and more individuals looking to truly self-service uh, themselves um, and um, the ability to self-serve without the requirement to interact with others because of social distancing is is very important right now. You're seeing more self-service through digital online, uh, through your mobile app, uh, smart speakers, which are allowing those customers to be safe and interact with the organization still to make their bill payments from within their own homes. Um, you also have you know, self-serve -key, uh, self kiosks at different locations for those individuals that have no other means but to pay by physical cash. Um, but obviously, utilities and, and, and kiosk companies are taking the necessary protocols to ensure that they're properly cleaned and sanitized for the customer uh, safety as well as the utility employee safety. Um, but if you start looking at post-pandemic future, and I really, hopefully, we're, we're getting to that point where we can look post, uh, we will see an increasing number of consumers and businesses that will undoubtedly refuse to pay by cash uh, because they consider coins and notes to be possible vehicles for transmitting COVID-19 and other viruses similar. So positioning in the field of electronic payments is becoming highly strategic. It's undoubtedly the ideal time for us to start looking at changing users' habits and helping them out with their preferences. Um, you're, you're also hearing uh, some louder voices now for individuals advocating for the development of a public payment system in the similar style of the popular P2P channels like a Venmo or, or others such as Zelle or Swiss, uh, Swiss being the one in, in Sweden. A post-pandemic scenario in which cash will surely be our second choice is an opportunity to shake the uh, adoption rates of new habits and build a large-scale experiment such as the one that's undergoing uh, with Sweden, and that's been ongoing since 2020. You've got tech giants now such as Apple, Google, or Amazon with its cashless uh, stores that are becoming important players. It's more attractive scenario for those individuals in the terms of generating information and offering up more opportunities for the, everybody to reinvent the payment uh, channels that they support today. Yeah, so I think uh, innovation and reinvention, I think we're kind of being forced uh, to accelerate that now, even with all the stay at home. I mean, people's behaviors are changing drastically. Uh, you talking about some of these public payment systems. I know I have Zelle on my bank app and I haven't ever used it. 
Um, but I imagine there'll be more of that where I can just, you know, send electronic cash essentially to, uh, you know, whoever, uh, and then without fees too, in that case. So that's pretty cool. Um, let's move into maybe another area here. Let's talk about artificial intelligence. I mean, that seems to be becoming more and more prom prominent in our industry. How would you say artificial intelligence plays a role in payment trends for 2020? Yeah, again, that was another uh, trend that we predicted earlier in the year. The growth in the, the usage of uh, artificial intelligence was based on some of the research uh, that we have seen and such suggested that customers were becoming more comfortable with using AI in their daily lives. In a lot of cases, they don't really understand or, or know that they're using AI. Um, earlier this year, we did a, a webinar with Chartwell. And during that time, uh, I mentioned that uh, we gave my father-in-law uh, a Google Home for his birthday. And during that uh, webinar, um, you know, we mentioned that it was the best gift that he'd ever received. It would be able to give him his news. It would update him on the weather. He really didn't have to do anything. He just had to speak to his Google Home. Um, since then, you know, he's gone in and added net new skills to his platform. And now all of a sudden, he's able to do some of his day trading. He's getting updates on his investments. Um, and one that, you know, sort of, talks to this podcast is the fact that he's set it up with these utilities. So he's now getting push alerts with regards to when his bills are being high, if there's any outages, is there any plan outages. So he's, he's loving the device. But who's kidding who? When it comes to more commonplace and human, we are seeing more increasing usage because of our interactions with these devices. I know in my household right now, uh, during the pandemic, you know, the kids are not in school. Um, we have Alexa, and our Alexa is ready to go on strike. She is being overworked. I've got three different kids that are continuously barking questions at her for homework. Um, and instead of doing their own simple searches on, on their laptop, uh, going through Google, they'll simply ask Alexa. So again, they're just more comfortable with speech. They're, they're speaking to it. They're getting their uh, results real time. They're loving it. Part of the problem that you obviously have, though, which is kind of funny, is one of our uh, colleagues, his wife is a teacher, and a lot of the, um, I guess, exercises that they're getting back in from the, the students are all coming back with almost the exact same answer. So mm -hmm. it seems like they're all using Alexa or, or Google Home to do a lot of their homework. So that's, I guess, one of the downfalls that uh, some of the educational system is seeing. But Obviously, AI helps customers communicate in familiar channels in their own language. It allows them to easily gather information about billing, about uh, the ability to make a payment, report an outage, and address other frequently asked questions. So there's so many different channels that are available out there to support it. Um, and we're seeing more and more individuals be a little more comfortable with doing that. And obviously, like I said, in the pandemic, you don't necessarily have the call centers or at least the, the volume of individuals working in the call centers. So people are relying on the ability to simply ask Alexa or their Google Home for some of these FAQs that you would typically call into a call center for. So you mentioned AI payment channels. For those who are not aware of all these uh, artificial intelligence channels out there, would you mind sharing a few? Definitely. Uh, again, most of the common ones, people probably don't really uh, 
realize that they are using them in some sort of form. So your your obvious ones are your web chat, which essentially your conversations are initiated through a platform like Facebook Messenger to communicate with individuals or billers. So I'm quite sure everybody's used Facebook Messenger. You have standalone chat bots, and essentially that's a, a friendly bot that's integrated with an existing web page to provide instant support. Um, if you actually visit Cooper.com, you'll be introduced to our chatbot, Timothy, uh, for a lot of the standardized uh, FAQs for individuals that visit Cooper.com. You also have the smart speakers that I alluded to earlier, which allow customers to communicate with the biller from any room within the house using Amazon Alexa or Google Home. You've got your social media platforms, uh, which include frequently uh, visited apps like your Twitters, your Facebook Messenger again. And those are really used to answer questions and facilitate some secure payments. Um, and then the most commonly used one, I would hope everybody has used it, is your SMS, your text messages, which can be leveraged as a two-way conversation uh, to not only answer questions, but also to process payments with simple short codes like a response code of pay. Those are just some of the key ones that uh, I think everybody uh, right now should be very familiar with. Yeah, that sounds like a very comprehensive list. So. I just had a couple of comments. One is when you talked about chatbots uh, a few minutes ago, that reminded me back in December of last year, uh, which seems like a decade ago, but really it was only a few months ago, uh, we we did a whole episode on um, like chatbots and web chat and uh, natural language processing. So for our listeners who are interested in a deeper dive into that topic, uh, go look at the, the Kubra podcast archives and the I, you know, you can learn more about it there. Uh, when you're talking about text messaging, um, so text messaging by itself, um, you could argue whether it's uh, intelligent or not. Uh, you know, and a lot of times you have to use keywords, but what if you forget the keywords? And there's technology out there now that lets you, as a, you know, as a human, type something um, that isn't a prescribed you know, word and uh, the artificial intelligence in the background will try to understand what you were what you were intending, and then uh, make make an intelligent response or take an intelligent action. So there's a lot there's you know really exciting, cool, innovative stuff happening there. So, anyways, so you mentioned uh, quite a few different channels that can leverage this artificial intelligence. Would you suggest to utilities that they offer all these channels? Bit of a loaded question, but based on the research that we've seen, uh, essentially consumers want payment options at the end of the day. Uh, and more importantly, they want a frictionless payment experience. Uh, and again, frictionless being key. Um, you need to understand whether you're a small utility or a large utility, you serve a variety of different customers. Each of them have their own different preferences. They each have their different challenges and they're all living very different lifestyles. So at the end of the day, the more options you provide, the better chances that you're essentially serving and satisfying a larger population of your customers. Um, some, some interesting stats that we have to share is right now, 80% of businesses are expected to have some sort of chatbot automation in 2020. I wouldn't doubt that that number actually has increased uh, based on the recent pandemic. Um, and then Gartner also predicted by 2021 that 15% of all customer service interactions globally will be handled completely by, by AI. And that's an increase of 400% uh, from 2017. But again, 
I would be surprised if that number doesn't drastically increase or we hit that number a lot faster than the 2021 uh, date that Gartner originally predicted based on our outcome of the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, those are some huge uh, uh, increases in, 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 in adoption. Um, so clearly, um, companies you know, throughout the economy are beginning to see the value uh, in offering you know, AI and um, th- those kinds of customer service interactions. And I, I've seen lots of examples now where utilities are starting to see the value of that as well um, as it relates to innovative payment solutions. But what do you see as a big obstacle uh, facing utilities in, in a, taking these innovations? Yeah, th- this is always a challenge, this one. Uh, and this is another one that we highlighted for uh, a trend in 2020. And, and that's essentially balancing the next generation security uh, with a, a good overall customer experience. You often see billing vendors go for uh, one extreme to the other. And either they're focused solely on the customer experience and then, oops, uh, they have a data breach or a vulnerability that Either they focus solely on the customer experience and then, oh, no, uh, they just have a data breach and uh, vulnerability. And as a result, they need to shut down the system immediately before they expose any additional customer data. Surprisingly, I think it's roughly 56% of the utilities would not invest in a fraud-related solution if it added any sort of friction to that customer experience. But then you go on the complete opposite side. You go direct opposite where a company puts all of their energy in the top security, you know, with things such as adding multiple passwords, uh, instituting CAPTCHA, or even two-factor authentication, which completely defers and deteriorates the entire experience for that customer. Those are the individuals that simply want to be able to go in there and make a payment at the end of the day. So, again, the key word here is it's got to be a frictionless, frictionless experience. There are vendors out there that can offer up both of best worlds and that they employ the next generation of strategy to keep their customer data safe, but it's not at the expense of the customer experience. So I've heard you use the word frictionless or friction a few times already uh, in this episode. Um, That would be definitely worth exploring a bit more, but I I can kind of see where you're getting at. So there's convenience and choice and frictionless and somehow the utilities uh, that offer these experiences need to balance all that with the goal of um, reducing friction for their end users. So what are some secure methods that secure payment card data while having virtually zero impact on the front-end experience that companies should keep an eye out for? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. And again, when it comes to a payment environment, I always suggest that, uh, for an example, with the utility, you're good at providing power, keeping the lights on, providing gas services, water services, or whatever it is that you are doing. You're not necessarily a payments company. So it's always good to partner up with an individual that's responsible for those transactions. And those organizations that you partner up with should be participating in certification standards such as PCI, which essentially provides the increase and the controls around the storage of personal information related to cardholders' data uh, and helps defer that fraud or security issues. You should be looking at a partner that has some sort of SOC certification, whether that's SOC 1 or SOC 2. And basically that helps ensure annual compliance by pulling samples throughout the year and requires adherence to internal policies and procedures. 
Um, when you're obtaining and storing card data, uh, you need to be focused on the encryption, uh, whether that's at rest or within transit. And essentially, that, that's processing simple encoded messages or information so only authorized individuals or parties can access that data. Um, other things that you really should be looking at is, uh, you know, again, a, a stateless tokenization. So secure stateless tokenization is an advanced patent data security technology that provides enhanced protection for payment card data. And essentially what it does, it helps reduce the overall scope from the PCI audit perspective. But again, when we, when we keep, talk about partnering up with organizations, uh, those organizations, you've got to dive a little deeper with regards to some of their internal checks and balances that they have in place to ensure they're also promoting a secure environment within their own organization. And things like that are going to be your, your zero-day response. And basically what that means is ensuring every employee's computer undergoes regular updates and patches, making sure that the internal systems are all up to date with the latest and greatest security tools. You look at IP reputation checks, which employs tools that quickly detect irregular activities, tag that IP as bad reputation, and then it immediately stops that connection to the provider's network. That's a key one. Um, there are also customer-facing tools that help eliminate the need for passwords, making verification more convenient, and reducing password fatigue. And again, convenient is similar to frictionless. And some of those are biometrics. Uh, so you get biometric verification, which uniquely identifies an individual be evaluating one or more distinguishing biological traits, such as a finger uh, fingerprint or a retina. Well, that's um, those are some really good examples of kind of the, some of the secure uh, mechanisms, you know, by by which uh, payment information can be secured. The biometric one was reminded me of something I read recently that so so one one other way of doing biometrics is facial recognition, like on your on your Apple phone. Um, and I was reading that Apple was looking at tweaking that somehow because how do you do facial recognition uh, when everyone's wearing a mask? And so you almost have to innovate on the innovation. So it's all these layers of innovation. Speaking of which, um, let's get back to uh, payment innovation. Uh, what would you say are some key benefits for the company and the customer uh, when they when the utility employs innovation in their payment methodology? Um, from, a, from a company perspective, you're probably looking at obviously, you know, more timely payments, uh, increase customer satisfaction and overall loyalty. Uh, but the big bang for your buck, obviously, is going to be some operational efficiencies. Um, efficiencies on, obviously, you're getting your money in quicker, um, but the biggest one would you've got a lower volume of call center um, activity happening. So obviously, call center typically is one of your largest uh, cost uh, measures. So, you know, you lower some of those touches. From a consumer perspective, obviously, they get the, the additional payment options. That's something that they're looking for. They want to be able to pay when they want to pay, when they want to pay. Um, and that, again, will provide them more convenient options as well as those frictionless experiences. And essentially, it's building trust with the biller or the company because essentially I view that as they understand me. I'm, I'm sending them notes or I'm voicing what I want and they're giving me what I want. So that's a, a huge one because it, it's, they're hearing my voice. So you, you've made um, 
a good case for why uh, payment innovation is important um, for, for companies and utilities and billers. But there might still be some who say, well, I don't have time right now. Um, you know, I'm going to put it on the back burner. What, what would you say to companies like that? Well, you know, again, we've got a huge case study right now over the last six to eight weeks where we've uh, had to reevaluate how we do business, period. So uh, I would ask them, how important is it improving that customer experience? you got to be able to do business as usual as, as much as possible, even in uh, a pandemic environment, right? Uh, the utility industry is somewhat unique because they really don't have um, any competition or they have very little competition. Uh, but if you look at it a different way, if you look at it, Unhappy customers don't have much choice when it comes to how they get their electricity, gas, water, or that could even be said for the same when you're looking at government services. But if you look at it a different way, unhappy customers adds net new work. It increases your call volume, obviously, which leads to more challenging conversations that you have to have with your customers. And those JD power scores just don't get to where you want them to be. Obviously, that's another big element with regards to how utilities benchmark themselves as JD power. The downside to lacking payment innovation is the sacrifice for that better customer experience, that frictionless experience. So again, happy customers will make a big difference. Well, thanks for that. Um, we are getting uh, towards the end of our episode. And I just um, before I ask you the final question, I just wanted to to uh, thank you for you know bringing the the concepts of choice and convenience. I basically answering the question uh, why should utilities um, innovate in the payment space? And you've given a lot of reasons. For me, kind of the takeaway is there's a lot of choice and convenience, and of course, um, uh, creating a frictionless or something with either zero friction or a lot less friction for the end user. Um, but another way would be saying reduce frustration. Um, so I'm, I'm all in. I'm all on board with uh, experiencing those kind of experiences. So um, do you have any final thoughts about uh, how you see payments continuing to evolve? Well, obviously, 2020 so far has been extremely interesting uh, so far. Um, we've seen the importance of having not only a digital experience uh, from a communication uh, perspective firsthand, but we've also seen it with the payments. You know, where do I see payments heading at this point in time? Um, I see them finding their place among more channels. Uh, we've already had payments capabilities through your Facebooks and your Twitters. And I think that's going to continue to expand to more social uh, media platforms. Um, the one thing that we haven't really seen or, or had great traction with was digital wallets, uh, such as your Apple Pay or your Google Pay. But with this ongoing pandemic, I really think we can safely assume that that's going to change, and it's going to change fairly quickly because, again, uh, you don't want individuals making payments um, with cash or, or notes or whatever it might be. They want the contactless uh, environment. So that's going to be something that I think is going to drastically change over the next couple of months. Um, we've seen artificial intelligence uh, become more humanized through the use of uh, machine learning. So that's uh, another trend uh, with uh, over the next couple of months because of the uh, pandemic, we're going to see an increase in. Um, and overall, you know, you're looking at more personalized uh, communications and more individuals are going to be looking for that same personalization when it comes to payment processes as well. Well, um, 
folks, those are Steve's predictions. You heard them here first. And Steve, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll get you back maybe in a year or so, beginning of next year, see how these um, predictions played out and see what kind of innovations in the payment space that uh, utilities and other uh, billers have employed. I uh, really appreciate uh, the chance to talk with you. And I thank you uh, for taking some of your time to share your thoughts. Well, I, Alfred, thank you so much. And uh, I'd be happy to come back and hopefully all my predictions are right. Excellent. I'll well, stay safe and uh, we'll talk again later. Stay tuned for our next episode as we share how to create Disney-inspired magical experiences from a former Disney employee. That's all for Experience Better, the CX podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please send us your questions and continue the conversation with us on Twitter or Facebook at KubraWay. That's K-U-B-R-A-W-A-Y or on LinkedIn at Kubra. Experience Better, the CX podcast is presented by Kubra. I'm your host, Alfred Sawatsky. Goodbye for now. I hope you experience better.